right, that video shows you why you go to Thrive. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> it is, uh, I'm glad you're here tonight, but have you ever wondered why we do this? I mean, you know, why do we get ready and try to make it uh, to, uh, to church on time? You know, uh, for those of you who come at night shift, my guess is you stopped what you were doing in the middle of the day so that you could be here tonight. You know, why, why do we do this? I mean, why do we... We, we fight life and work our schedule around this time uh, together and thrive. Uh, and, well, you know, some of y'all have, how many of y'all have been in church for 20 years or more? Oh, so, okay. I, quite a few of you have been coming for a long time. You hear the same stories a lot of times. You know, you, you, you sit in the same place, you see the same people. Why do we go through this? Why do we put ourselves through this? Uh, in our lives. Uh, it, maybe it's just to come grade the sermon. I wonder how the new guy does. Or maybe it's to come hear the music. You know, I kind of like that music. It's got a good... Or maybe it's to get the pizza and tonight you're out of luck. You know, maybe it's to... Uh, may, may, what, what, why do we come? Why, why do we do this? That's the topic we're going to think about tonight. Why we come together and meet together as a, a church. Uh, but what I want to do before we get into that, if you're a note taker, I put my notes in the bulletin, you can follow along. Uh, if you're not a note taker, uh, just do this in your mind. But I, what I want to do, I want to take 15 to 20 seconds, and I want you to think for just a minute about why you come to church. Okay? So go. Why do you come to church? I wish I had Jeopardy music. We should have put that in. That would have been good right here, you know. All right. Ten, ten seconds. Why do you come? All right. No right or wrong answers here, but uh, just uh, everybody's sharing kind of an idea. Why do you come to church? Somebody share why you come. Share what you think. Why do you come? To meet girls. Normally a good answer, but for a guy with a pregnant wife, that's probably a bad answer. All right? All right? Anybody else? Worship? Okay, come to worship. All right? To grow in your faith? Okay, yeah. Fellowship? Okay, yeah. Any others? Thoughts? Peanut gallery? Anything up there? No? Because it's your job. Right? All right? You work here, right, all right, all right. Uh, we, uh, people come for a lot of different reasons, and what I just want to spend some time doing tonight is simply teaching you from the Bible why I believe it's valuable for you to come to church, and what I believe you can gain uh, from coming. Uh, now, to, to really understand this, you have to understand what the church is, and the church is the body of believers uh, through which Jesus exists today. Now, this is really, really bad English. I typed this in and it got transferred. But the church is the body of believers through which Jesus exists in our world today. Okay, now I know there's a lot in that, but let me just unpack that. Uh, when Jesus was on the earth, after he uh, is crucified, the Bible says he resurrect, uh, is resurrected on the third day, and he appeared to a lot of people. He appeared to individuals, uh, the women at the tomb. He appeared to the disciples several times. At one time he appeared to 500 people at once there in Jerusalem. Well, after, uh, while he's resurrected, he promises that he's going to send his Holy Spirit. He ascends to heaven. The Holy Spirit falls down uh, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, we learn about the Holy Spirit coming. And since that day until this very day, that Jesus has existed on earth through his Spirit living in us. 
His, his Spirit living through us as His manifestation on earth, so much so that the early church called themselves the body of Christ. Y'all have heard that. The, we are the body of Christ. Uh, he is the head. We are the members of the body. Um, and as the church goes forward, he goes forward, and he indwells us spiritually, so much so that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, where two or more are gathered together, he's there. He is in our midst. So tonight, as we've gathered together, Jesus is with us. He is present here in this place through his Holy Spirit interacting with us. Now, to technically, to understand the church and the word church, there's two things that you need to know. You need to know about the universal church, and the universal church is basically all believers everywhere in all places, Africa, America, Antarctica, Asia, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus, they're a part of the universal church. Um, in, in, I've been around the world, and I've met people who I had immediate connection with because we were friends immediately. We connected to one another because we just knew we were both part of the body of Christ. But then the Bible most of the time speaks of the local church. 114 times the word for church is used in your Bible. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, that's just in the New Testament. 114 times. So those 114, 111 of them refer to not the universal everybody, all of us type of church. It refers to the local church. And this is the way we think of most of the time. If I ask you about church, you think, which one? Church at Burlington, church at Seven Hills, church at Erlanger, first church. That's what we think of when we think of, of church, the, the local uh, body of, of believers. Uh, you know, we, when we talk about this, we're talking about people who have assigned leaders, and we have responsibilities, and, and members have made a commitment to be a part of one another. And the Bible encourages us to participate in this local-type community. Hebrews 10, 24, what we're looking at, where we're going to start with tonight, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on, that's push one another on toward loving good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. You ever feel like you're going to sneeze and you know you are in a really bad time? Right now is that time. No, well, no, that'll make it worse, won't it? Will that make it go away? The lights are too dark. No. Uh, it, but, but don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> but encourage one another all the more as you see that day approaching. Here, here's where people fall in the ditch when we talk about church. There's this gross misunderstanding about church, and your parents probably had this misunderstanding, and your grandparents probably had this misunderstanding. And that is this. Uh, some people believe that the value of going to church is going. You know, the, the reason church is going to be, you know, the reason you ought to go to church is because you ought to go to church. And they've never explained to you why. And so we have this attitude like, I'm here, I made it, I arrived. And somehow we've gotten in our mind that that is what the value is. Now the problem with that attitude is we don't keep score like that in any other area of life. You know, you're sick and you go to the doctor. You know, I mean, you don't say, I made it to the doctor's office. You, you want to see the doctor. Or you go to the airport, you get through the security, I made it, and that is an, a, an accomplishment in and of itself. But, you know, we want to go somewhere. Or we go to a restaurant and we're hungry, we want to eat. We don't want to just show up. You know, that's what we want out of this situation. Um, maybe it's intentional or unintentional, but we, that's the way we have a tendency to think about church, and I think we think God's happy. We've, we've bought into this so much that we think God was happy because you got out of your car and you came in. And some of you might have debated, man, it's hot. Man, it's Labor Day weekend. Man, they're shooting fireworks down at the river. 
And you might have thought, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. And you might have debated, but then you decided you're going to come, and you think God said, yes. And he has like this security camera in heaven. And when you went inside the door, he high-fives the angels and says, y'all right, they made it. You know, I can promise you that's not happening. God is not thrilled because you're here. Did he want you here? I believe he did want you here, but that is not the, the end. That's not his goal. Um, and, and truthfully, I think because we count numbers, leaders have kind of measured success by how many people show up. You know, I mean, we think, I, I think we buy into it. Like, man, if I had, if we just had a hundred and thrive, or if we, man, I, I needed to do that just a minute ago. I'm better. He got transferred somehow. <laughs> uh, if, if we just had a hundred and thrive, or if we had 500 in church, and I've been there. You teach Sunday school, you teach a small group, or you lead a band, or you lead a, you're just like, if we just had five more. And that's kind of how we live our, our lives. Uh, it, it, and, and we've developed this mindset, are, are, aren't you happy, God, if we have a lot of people? Uh, and because we've done this, we believe that showing up is all there is. And here's the problem. A lot of people who call themselves Christians and go to church are divorced at the same rate as people who don't. They speed at the same rate as people who don't. They um, have debt at the same levels or more than those who don't say they're Christians. Um, the crime rate, truthfully, is not that much different between people who wear the label Christian and those who don't. And I, I think that's because we thought that being a Christian, all there is is showing up and going to church sometimes. Uh, but I want you to understand, if you get nothing else tonight, here's the main point of the me message tonight. The church is a vehicle, not a destination. Church is to take you somewhere. It is not the goal. Um, the goal is not to fill seats, but to see hearts changed. And uh, uh, our destination, I believe, is this. Our destination is changed lives, changed hearts, and changed the world. What God really wants to see is you wake up in the morning, what he wants from me. I'll be honest, God still works with me this way. This is not a you thing. This is an us thing. God works on me and revealing to me while we're singing, while we're here, ways that I could serve him better, ways that I could honor him more. And what God really wants is my heart to be changed to where I say yes. And to where I say, okay, God, you can have every bit of me. Yes, even that part of me that I don't want anybody else to, even that part of me that likes it my way, even that part of me that wants to be in the know, even that part of me that wants control, God, you can have every, that's what God wants. And he wants that to start progressing where like it ripples out in your life from this moment on Sundays to every day of your life. That's what God's looking for, a 24-7 type of heart change in your life. And he wants it to ripple out so much that it not only affects you, but it affects those around you. And it starts changing our world. Uh, that's what God is looking for. Now, if the church is a vehicle that's supposed to help us do this, uh, what has to happen? Well, I think the church can do four things to help you. One of the things you should experience when you come here each week is you should get encouraged. Um, I believe in judgment. I believe in sin. I believe in the wrath of God. I believe in eternal punishment. I believe in all those things. But most of you already know those things. I believe we should feel guilty when we sin. I believe we should repent when we do wrong. I believe all those things. But when you come to church, I think you should be encouraged. Encouraged that God is merciful. Turn back to him. Encouraged that God is loving. Hold on to him. Encouraged that God is all wise. 
Trust Him. You should be encouraged when we come together. That should be what we do. And there's encouragement from a group thing. Um, human beings like group encouragement. Um, you know, that's why there's horse clubs. People with similar interests get together because they don't want to feel weird because they do the same things together. Not that horse people are weird. I live in Lexington. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, or, or people who, do, you know, do radio-controlled airplanes. You know, they get together and do that together because somebody else shares their interests. Or people who golf. Or people who hunt. Or people who like to hang out at the lodge. Or, or right now we need, like, U.K. football support clubs to try to help us through what was a very shaky win this weekend. We, need, we like to get together with people who understand our plight and what we're going through. We like that. Um, I, I, that's human nature. That's not wrong. That's just the way life is. God knows that, and so he puts us in relationships with people who can encourage us weekly. They've done this from the beginning. In Acts chapter 2, he says in verse uh, 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. From the start of the church till today, people have got together, and they've worshipped uh, together. Um, and, and truthfully, there's just encouragement from getting together. I mean, you know, when your boss treats you like garbage during the week, isn't it nice to come someplace where people value you because God values you? You know, whenever, you know, your marriage is struggling, you know, and everything around you screaming, Get out, give up, don't... Isn't it nice to come someplace to where people are saying, hang on, God will help you, God will give you strength? You know, or, or you go to school and people are looking at you like you're an idiot because you believe what you believe and you come someplace where they're saying, oh no, it's good to believe what you believe. It's good to find encouragement in brothers. And that's why the Bible says in the verse we looked at first in Hebrews 10.25, it says we shouldn't give up meeting together because that's what people do nowadays. <laughs> By the way, it's not been nowadays, this has been forever days. Don't give up meeting together, as is the habit of some, but meet together and encourage one another, all the more as you see the Lord's day uh, uh, coming. Another role that we forget in the church is that we're supposed to foster relationships where people can minister to each other. Uh, we are to minister to one another. If you've read your Bible much, you'll notice there's a phrase in the Bible called one another. You see it a lot in the New Testament. There are several of them. I'm going to give you about four or five of them here. But John 15, 17 says, This is what I command you, love one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says that we should, uh, or excuse me, in Romans 15, there it is, we should be hospitable. Thank you. I'm messing him up. He's not messing me up. We should be hospitable to one another. And then in Romans 15, 7, Let's see how good he is. Yeah, we are to accept one another. And then the Bible even says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, we are to bear one another's burdens. Uh, you know, here's a fact. This is important. You can't one another yourself. Right? The Bible says you're supposed to one another one another. And those of us who would say, well, I'm a Christian on my own. I do my private thing. I do my own. You're fooling yourself. You can't forgive one another if you ain't with one another. You can't accept one another if you're not gathering together. You can't be hospitable if you never... The word's not coming. If, you never, if you're never close to one another, thank you. You need to write my sermons out. <laughs> Help me out. Uh, you can't do one another's alone, and that's what church is. It's a place where relationships are supposed to develop. That's why tonight I want to encourage you, especially Thrive. 
It, you know, you, y'all know why we do pizza here on Sunday night? Uh, we want you to come. No, we do pizza because we want you to stick around and fellowship with one another and get to know one another. That's why we do this. There's another level which I would like to encourage you to do. Some of you met me for the first time tonight, and you're thinking, who is this guy telling me what to do? Just from my own experience, here's what I would do. I would encourage you to get connected to a small group at church. Some of them meet on Sunday mornings. I think, Kevin, you are in one on Sunday mornings. Anybody else in the Sunday morning group? You're in a Wednesday night group? Yeah, some meet on Wednesday nights or some on Monday nights or some on Thursday nights. There's small groups at the church, and here's what happens in those small groups. You get to know each other at a level where you can pray for one another. You can minister to each other when you're hurting. You can uh, cry on each other's shoulders. You, you can celebrate when something good happens. You know, at, at Edgewood, in our small groups, if somebody was sick, people, like, took meals over to their house, like, every week for, like, a month. You know, that's just something they did. Or if somebody was sick, they provided child care for their other kids. Where would that happen in your life if we wasn't connected? You're going to call strangers? We literally had a couple who lived next door to us in Hopkinsville, and in the middle of their night, their, uh, the wife has, like, she thought she was having a heart attack. Their parents lived, like, five hours away. They called us at 2 in the morning and said, Would you keep our kid? They didn't know us. They just heard I was a preacher, and we'd given them our numbers just exchanging. I would hate to think that I lived in a place where I didn't know anyone that I could lean on whenever life went tough. You know, So that's why we're going to encourage you. There's t- if you have no idea where you'd like to sign up, there's a bunch of pages out there. Take them with you, pray about it, call the office, come back next week and sign up. And the good news is, if you get in now, you're on the ground floor. And if Thrive is your main service, and this is where you come, and I know it's Labor Day weekend, and there's more folks in Thrive and whatnot, but if this is where you're coming, this is your church family, here's the deal. It'd be really good for you to connect at a deeper level with folks and to take a step forward and a step in toward serving serving, uh, the Lord. Um, I believe in one another. You know why I believe in one another? Because that's where you really grow. I I, I recognize my role. My role is kind of like a booster shot or a sugar rush or something to give you that immediate push forward. You need to do, you need to go, you need to... But real depth and nutrition and growth happens in that daily one-on-one, doing life together. That's where you really grow. People who move forward in their Christian walk usually have met a strong Christian. And where are you in your life going to move forward if you don't get connected to people? So I encourage you, get connected. Um, What time is it? 6.39. Let me tell you a little bit about where I come from. I pastored a church called Edgewood in western Kentucky. It was Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Um, Edgewood had about 850 in, in the church before I uh, went to the Kentucky Baptist Convention, moved to Lexington. Didn't start out that way, but the Lord grew the church. But I understand how church gro- goes. I understand a lot of times church attendance goes on who's standing on the stage. And we'd gone from about 150 to about 850, and I was there 14 years. Church had grew the entire time. Um, and when I left, the church was afraid. What's going to happen when he leaves? And to be honest, they dropped to about 650, 675 in a year. It's a pretty big drop because they loved me. They sent me off. There was nothing hard that happened. It was just a good pat you on the back. Glad, hope it goes well. Prayed over me, the entire church. They, they dropped by like 175 people. That's a pretty big drop. But in that same time, we had small groups like what I'm talking about out here. 
we had 550 when I left. In that same time, that time they were dropping 175 during the show, you know, when the preacher gets up and tries to be funny and the band gets up and tries to be good, you know, uh, in that same time, the small groups went from 550 to 580. So the core was getting stronger and the body of Christ was developing. Then when they got a preacher 14 months later, things started ticking back up. In fact, I got a phone call last week, August 23rd, Edgewood Baptist Church. They had an outdoor baptism, which was pretty cool, and they baptized 23 people, which was amazing. And their Sunday school that morning, Bible study, small groups, whatever you want to call it, just counted once. Everybody was just counted one time. They had 715 in that Bible study. So long-term help as an individual, long-term stability, because I don't know anybody who says, you know, I'd like to be a flash-in-the-pan Christian. I'd like to be a Christian who's really on fire for like two months and then not to be found for the next 20 years. I don't meet anybody who says that. Almost everybody says, you know, I want to be a faithful Christian. I want to live for the Lord. I want to do those things. You want to do that, my advice to you is get connected to other Christians. That accountability and that partnership. That's how it happens. And that's what the uh, church is supposed to be for, to, to foster those type of relationships. Um, another role of the church uh, was to prepare people to do the ministry that God has assigned them. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, we learned a couple of things. We, we learned that it was he, Jesus, who gave some to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he gave this to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now let me break that down real quickly for you. Verse 11 it says, he gave apostles, people who, who are, are mission-minded. Those apostles were one who was sent with a message. That was an apostle. People who, who knew they were to be missionaries. God puts people who have that mindset in the church to push you to go. You know, y'all have seen people, you've heard people, they get up on stage and they talk about it, and you sit there and think, oh man, I feel like they're talking to me, and I think I'm supposed to do something. And that's, God puts those people in the church for a reason. Uh, he puts uh, uh, prophets, and a prophet is somebody who basically gives a warning that things are going to go bad if you don't change. I, I think in the church there are people who see the fifth domino. You know, they understand what's going to happen because of decisions people are making, and they warn and they help us. Uh, he gives evangelists, people who naturally share their faith, to help us share our faith, and pastors who care for people, and teachers who teach us the truth so that when people act like we're ignorant and don't know what we're talking about, we have an answer because we've been taught. Not just, well, I think so because they told me down at church. But people who actually teach and help us develop and learn. And we're to do all of these things. And we, Verse 12, we do this so that we can be prepared for works of service, so that we may be built up. And we never read verse 13, usually pastors don't, but listen to what he says. We do this until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become true uh, and become mature. Um, one of the goals of a church is to help the body be unified. It's one of our goals. Now, we don't think about this often as being part of the uh, church's job, but one of, the, one of the roles of the pastor, your staff, your deacons, your leaders, is to make sure we don't fight about stupid stuff. And I know that never happens in a church, you know, where people fight over stupid stuff. Uh, but, uh, but Jesus, listen to what he said in John chapter uh, 17. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. He was talking to his 12. And by the way, let me just set the, this is going to be, I think, the last passage we're going to dig into tonight, okay? 
Jesus has told the disciples he's going to be crucified. He's initiated the Lord's Supper like we talked about last week. And he's walking from, the Mount, uh, from Jerusalem, the upper room, to the Mount of Olives. It's maybe a quarter of a mile walk. And as he's walking, he's praying. And he's got the 11 disciples because Judas has already left, the one who betrayed him. He's got the 11 disciples with him, and he's praying for them. And man, you know they're hanging on every word because he's praying for them. And it's just like this really somber time. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? That's us. I mean, that's us. We're the ones who believed because of their message. And here's what he prayed. He said, I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and me, or you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That's eternal life, resurrection power, spirit living in us. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. And then listen to what he says. I and them and you and me, may they be brought, that's us, to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you love me. Now, here's Nick's interpretation of that passage. How well we love one another affects their belief that Jesus is real. You know, most of the criticisms I hear about Jesus are about his people and not about him. I wonder... If they saw us loving people, how much more they would believe. Here's the problem. A lot of church experience is nothing like that. You know, a lot of people don't experience unity and joy and, and encouragement when they come to church. And instead of feeling unified, people go from weeks and nobody knows your name. Uh, and, and maybe you had a need arise and people acted like it wasn't important. Or you wanted to get involved and nobody showed you how to get involved. Or you got burned from a former church. You know, they lied to you or seemed selfish or, you know, and you just are hesitant to jump back in. Or maybe you just think it's a waste of time. You know, why do I want to do that? It's just a big waste of time. I want to tell you, some churches are bad. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh, but I work with 400 churches and there's about 100 of them I'd like to get rid of because they're bad. They fight over stupid stuff. They don't care about lost people, and they're just bad. They care about themselves, and they're selfish. And I'm going to tell you this, and it's hard for me to say, but it's truth. Burlington's not perfect. It's, it's just not. And, you know, you come to Thrive, and it's good, and I hope you enjoy it, but uh, at the end of the day, Burlington, if you, if you connect in and take that step in to start connecting, you're going to find imperfect people. Let me ask you this. If Jesus said you had to forgive one another... What's that tell you about the one another you're getting connected to? They need forgiveness. They're not perfect. It's just the deal. It is who, it is what it is. We are who we are. And, and, and truthfully, maybe you've had bad experiences, but sometimes maybe expectations are wrong. You know, I, I, just coming to church on Sunday night is not going to ensure that you win the ball game or that you get the raise or that you're always healthy just doesn't work that way. It's not how God designed life. And just showing up and high-fiving and saying, I'm there, I made it. That's not what God has designed. Um, 
If you believe that just coming to church and getting counted was the answer to your life, I want to tell you you're going to be disappointed. And if Burlington has ever given you that impression, I'm sorry. And please forgive us, because that's not the answer. The answer is becoming like Jesus. Him forgiving you so much and changing your heart so much that you want to become like him. He loves you so much you want to love him back by giving him your life. And that rubbing off on the Lord around you. That is what the destination is. We have an answer, but it's not just coming here. I have a daughter who turned 14 this week. Let, let me talk to you about two more minutes and we'll wrap up here. I have a daughter who turned 14 this week. Uh, to understand this, you have to understand our context. I'm from rural western Kentucky. It's a town of about 35,000 people, 80,000 in, 80, in the county. But it was a big county, lots of land. And I, we were at a church. I pastored a church that had 30 acres, and all that was on this 30 acres, not a single tree. All we had was a church and a parking lot on this 30 acres. Uh, so when my daughter turned 14, I told her, Honey, it's time to learn to drive. That's what you do in western Kentucky. When you're 14, you start to learn to drive, right? Well, are you from western Kentucky? Go Tops, there you go, yeah. Big win this weekend, by, or this week, by the way. Uh, but, but you just learn, you, it's just rural. And so 14, I says, hey, honey, yeah, we'll go over to the parking lot, and you can start driving. And so she took off, and we didn't care if she ran off in the field. There was nothing there, you know. And so, so that's how she learned. Well, uh, her younger sister, she's 17 and a half now, almost 18. Her younger sister just turned 14 this week. And see, she know, believes that it's just a rite of passage for her to get to start driving. Now, the problem is I live in Lexington. <laughs> She's not driving <laughs> in Lexington. But she is studying her driver's manual already at 14 years old. Like, she's going to have it memorized by the time. And she's, you know, already, Dad, when are you taking me driving? When are you taking me driving? And, and just imagine, and this is going to be a real stretch, but imagine that when she goes to take her test, that day of that permit, we pull into the drive, and up goes the garage door, and in sets a brand new car. Okay? Now, yeah, it's a big stretch, because that ain't happening. But in, in sets this brand new car. And I say, honey, go in and get changed, because I know you got to look cool in your new car. But go in, get changed, come on back out, hop in, and we'll go for a drive. And she goes in, she gets dolled up, has her sunglasses on, gets in the car, and gets ready to turn it on. I say, oh, 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 wait a minute now. Smell the leather, <laughs> you know, breathe it in. I said it where she can turn the radio on, turn the radio on. She has it blaring. Favorite station, got it going. You need to roll down the windows now, take this all in. She rolls down the windows, raises the garage door, back up. I said, feel this, isn't it great? And I said, now, honey, start it up. And she fires that thing up, and, man, it's got a beautiful hum to it. And I said, now, come on, let's hear the engine a little bit. And she starts revving the engine up. And I said, isn't this fun? Yeah, Dad, it's great. And I said, all right, now turn it off. Let's go inside. We're done. Do you know how frustrated she would be? Because a vehicle is only enjoyed if it takes you somewhere. That's a fact. That's true about church, too. If a church doesn't take you somewhere, you're, you're not going to enjoy it. Um, I believe if your life starts becoming like Jesus instead of being, oh, i got to go, it'll be, man, I get to go. And if you start seeing your world changing around you and you start seeing your neighbors as people who need the gospel and as you start seeing your friends as people who need to you know, experience the love of God, all of a sudden you'll start having purpose in life. And this thing that seems like such a drudgery now all of a sudden becomes such a joy. Uh, so my prayer for you 
in my promise to you as your interim pastor, and here's the deal, I'm going to be here until y'all call a pastor. You know, I, Kevin, are you the chairman of the search committee? You're on the search committee. Kevin tells me that could take till January, so I might be here two or three months, four months, who knows. might take a little longer, you know, before you get a pastor. Here's my commitment to you. I will not be satisfied with you just showing up in church. I will push you to try to become like Christ. Because church is the most miserable place in the world if you're just punching the time clock. You might as well be popping rivets all day long. You're going to get bored. You know, so we're going to try to push you toward uh, a deeper relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to tell you there's one thing I can't push you toward, and that's a, that's a pure heart. You see, our hearts are hard in our sin, and only God can fix that. He's the only one who can. And if you're here and you believe that money and power and prestige and climbing the ladder and getting more stuff and having more pleasure, and if that's your goal, I can't fix that. Only God can make your heart think that he's beautiful. You know, and so maybe you're here tonight and, and, and I'm praying God will do a work in your heart where he convinces you that he's beautiful. Um, my prayer for you is that... Uh, that you'll give your heart to Christ and, and you'll start to become like Him. And for those of y'all who already believe, my prayer for you is that you will start becoming like Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the time that you've given us to share. God, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take these words and encourage your people. Um, Lord, I do pray if there's somebody here who doesn't believe, uh, Lord, I pray they would. God, I pray for those of us who do. Lord, help us not be satisfied with just showing up one hour a week and thinking that's what you're happy with. Lord, I know you want our hearts. Help us to give them to you freely. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just for those of you who are note-takers, let me give you these things to take away. you got to be quick. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, number one. I, I hope tonight you recognize that just coming to church is not the goal. That's not it. Do I want you here? Do I think it's valuable? Absolutely. But I don't think this is the end. This is not the checkoff. We won scorecard. Number two, I pray that you would commit to one another involvement. Thrive is a different way of looking at the world. Church for years has looked at coming on Sunday morning as the bright way to do church. We've lost a generation, kind of people who kind of checked out on that. And Thrive is basically saying it's not about the hour you show up. It's about us getting together. Well, us getting together means you've got to move beyond just looking at people's heads and watching the guys on stage. It means that you've got to get to know one another. So I pray that you'd commit to one another involvement. You know, for this church in particular, I, I pray that we would repent of bad attitudes and behavior that have harmed the church. You know, a lot of things have changed. They've changed in the Thrive service, truthfully. Uh, we're not helping the church if we look at the past and complain or look at the present and complain or, or judge. If we want to help the church grow, we've got to look to Jesus. And he's got to be our center, and we've got to look forward. And that's how, how the church has got to grow. And then I would even encourage you to join a local church, even though we're not perfect. And maybe you're here tonight, and you've never joined a church. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You know, if you're not Baptist, what we do at this moment right now like seems like the weirdest thing in the world. I'm going to come down front in a minute. We're, everybody's going to stand and sing, and I'm going to invite you to come and talk to me. 
If you're not Baptist tonight, I'm giving you permission. Don't come and talk to me. Catch me outside afterwards, and let's sit down and have a real conversation. If you'd like to know about how do you give your heart to Jesus, or if you'd like to know about how to join the church, we can talk. Now, if God leads you to come forward, that's what he did to me when I was a kid. He led me to come forward. You come on ahead. But if you're here tonight and you don't understand, and that just seems like I don't know, don't let that keep you from talking to somebody.